Uh, I want to introduce who's going to be speaking this morning. Steve Connors and I, uh, uh, we go way back. Matter of fact, we were talking a few days ago. I think together it's probably been 50 years that we've been connected uh, with Sherwood Oaks, which doesn't mean a thing. But anyway, uh, we've been connected with Sherwood Oaks for a long time, and, and Steve is such a uh, dear friend. But his passion, his passion for the lost, and he has worked through sports to broker ways to just reach men and women and kids all over the world. Over 100 countries Steve has been through, so you are in for a huge treat. And our theme today is Everyday Missionaries. So I want to prepare our hearts this morning with a couple of scripture readings. First one, if you've got your scriptures, is John chapter 3, starting verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, But people love darkness instead of the light because of their deeds, which were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will come into the light for the fear, for their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly for what has been done and what has been done in the sight of God. And then Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Pray for us, too, that God may open the door for our message, that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know the answer everyone. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, uh, we are honored to be in your presence this morning. We thank you for all the kids and their voices lifted up to you in praise. We thank you for Nate and his message to the kids and to us. And Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing here on the west side. We thank you for Steve, his passion to reach those that desperately need hope in Jesus Christ. So Lord, bless us and continue to guide us to be everyday missionaries. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Well, John, I feel a little guilty. Uh, um, what's the, the churchy word? I, I feel convicted. <laughs> the churchy word. I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I sit out there and uh, if John's not preaching, and if you got the missionary, I go, ah, oh, not the missionary. Now I'm the missionary. <laughs> I, I, I I've known him for a long time, and, and this is my service, and, and uh, Michelle and I go here, and, and you're my pastor, and, and I, I get fed by you. And, and you guys, you know, he is so good at being open and casual, but, the, but the, the pioneer and the visionary work he's done, but not, you know, there's a lot of visionaries, but some guys can't take ideas and turn them into action. You've done a lot of amazing things over here. All of it. We love him, don't we? Let's give him a big hand. Thank you. Did you tell me just to close in prayer now? Yeah, that's it. Take up another offer. Everyday missionaries. 
Um, before I start, I want to say that my, my wife comes home from Bible studies on Wednesdays, and she just tells me amazing stories about what you guys are doing, everyday missionaries. So help, I, I just pray that you don't feel like this is a, my idea and you guys ought to do it. You guys are doing it. And you're doing some amazing things, whether it's in sport, whether it's in relationships, whether it's going to be in family, in friends, music. You guys are doing some fantastic things, everyday missionaries. As John said, I've been to 102 countries. I've, sports been my background for my life. Um, one time I'm in Niger. You might pronounce it Niger. Um, I don't know if you remember back, back in October 5th of 17, um, five um, commandos were killed by ISIS there. And uh, it's a very rough country, dominated Muslim, dominated by ISIS. And my friend is an everyday missionary there. His name is Yazi. Yazi's got these scars on his lips that is... Uh, Mother would have put on them to tell him what tribe he's from. Somehow he stumbled into a Sunday school and he became a Christian. Very rare in that country. Two, three percent, very rare. Becomes a Christian. And then he realizes that the best way to reach out is through sport. And I've helped him for a number of times. And uh, to raise money through the coalition, we realized that this guy is never going to raise money in, in Niger. I mean, not, uh, the, the, the Muslim brother's not going to give him any money for, to help out. But, but maybe we can help him with a farm. So we helped buy him a farm. And, and I, I couldn't wait to go see this farm because he said, oh, it's cobra season. You know what? You, you got cobras on your farm? <laughs> we, we don't have that in Monroe County. That's not a problem here. We got a few snakes, but not cobras out there. I said, come on, I want to see your farm. And he goes, no, Steve, I don't think we go. No, I don't think we go. Too dangerous, too dangerous. ISIS would be too dangerous to go. Ah, oh, come on. It's not that far up north. It's, no, no, I don't think. <clears throat> Someone said, well, just go to the gate. Either they'll let you through or they won't, because there's a place that just one road, and that heads north, and they'll either let you or not. And he goes, okay, we go to the gate, but I don't think they let you. And so sure enough, we get in this little car, we start driving, dirty little white car, getting out there, and sure enough, one lane road out there, clay street, dust everywhere, and I see this little box, little brown pointed box, a guardhouse. And I see it in the distance, and I see a guy there, just like you'd see a TV, got the old beret, he's got the dirty uniform, got the AK-47, kind of sleeping, doesn't have much company, then all of a sudden he sees Yazi's car. And this guy's a Muslim guy, but he loves Yazi because Yazi is an everyday missionary. And he goes up to him, he says, oh, Yazi, hey man, Yazi, hadn't seen anybody all day, Yazi, good to see you, and he stops, and the gate's down, and he walks across the gate, comes in, Yazzie, and then he looks inside, he sees this big white guy. Oh, no, 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 no. You may not go. You may not go. And he sticks his head in and he says, where are you from? And I'm a little nervous. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little nervous. I said, I, 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 I'm from Indiana. He goes, I do not believe you. You are far too big and far too white to be an Indian. <laughs> I mean, no, no, Indiana, you know, the state there. He looks at me and goes, never heard of it. <laughs> now I'm scrambling. What do I do? What do I do? Finally I go, I, I was born in Chicago. I was raised in Chicago. <laughs> His face just crestfallen. He goes, Chicago, El Capone, bang, bang. <laughs> that is a bad place. You may go. <laughs> 
Finally, Chicago was good for something. <laughs> I love going to Chicago because it reminds me I love living in Indiana. Am I going to get an amen to that one or what? <laughs> you guys, Yazzie was one of those guys. And you might be saying, oh, Steve, that's great. And you travel all over the world doing what you're doing. But Yazzie is an everyday missionary right there in Niger. Right there. Using the gifts and abilities that God has given him. And if you remember, about two years ago, um, churches in this town were attacked. Forty churches in Naomi were burned to the ground. I can't get a hold of them. I'm trying to get a hold of them on the internet. I'm trying to get a hold of them on Skype. I'm scared for for Yazzie. Haven't heard. Haven't heard. Finally, you know, send back a message, and it was almost, almost lackadaisical. Yeah, Steve. You know, a few days later. Yes, yeah, Steve. Well, we're fine. We're fine. Well, I mean, 40 churches burned down. I'm just a little worried about you, buddy. He said, no, 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 we're good, we're good. I said, well, well why, would, you know, why what, shouldn't I worry? He goes, he goes, Steve, the Muslims know us. You see, we've built these sports teams, and the Muslims play on the team. We have this relationship. Relationship. I think that's the biggest key that we talk about here is being an everyday missionary. As God has given every one of us unique gifts and abilities, and we use those things to create relationships. In the relationship, we tell other people about Christ. Now, uh, it, it can be tricky. It can be tricky. The gospel, it's a mystery. The Apostle Paul said, pray that we would pray that that mystery would be open to other people. Aidan Wilson, A.W. Tozer, once wrote, great pastor, he wrote, a real Christian is an odd number anyway. You see, he feels supreme love for someone he has never seen. He talks familiarly with someone he cannot see, he expects to go to heaven on the virtues of another. He empties himself in order to be full, admits he's wrong in order to be declared right, goes down in order to go up, is strongest when he's weakest, richest when he's poorest, happiest when he feels the worst, dies in order to live, forsakes in order to have, gives away so we can keep, sees the invisible, hears the inaudible, knows that which passes all understanding. And then Tozer goes on to say, no wonder they think we're crazy. It's a mystery, isn't it? But we're here to proclaim Christ, to proclaim it well. One of the best sermons I ever heard, and I was shocked at first, having a background in sport, I, I end up working with high-profile athletes, and I do a lot of ministry with Olympics. Uh, we got some great, got a guy back there It's going to be in the a week from, or a year from now, he's be playing on Sunday. We got a, um, a lot of other guys I work with, you know, I got some great guys. One time I was with a guy, Norm Evans. Norm uh, has his pro athletes outreach. It's a great ministry. He reaches out to, min to these guys. And, and pro athletes, they're just little kids in big bodies with a big paycheck. You know, that's it. But they're just little kids, and they just want to be loved. And I remember Norm came up, and he went, I'm supposed to speak after, after him. He was on that Super Bowl team that had won the, um, won the uh, he was with Miami Dolphins when they went undefeated. And so he had that special ring, and one time he's speaking to the crowd, and he's looking around this whole crowd, and then he pulls out his ring. He pulls out his ring, and he says, how much do you think this is worth? Come on, how much do you think it is worth? And people are feeling a little awkward, like, you know, drawing attention to your ring. You can feel the whole room felt awkward. You know, you want to get that awkward feeling. He said, come on, how much do you think it's worth? Finally, someone said, 10 grand, 
someone else 20, 30, then it was kind of like an auction, 35, 36. I, I, I guess it was worth $47,000 at that time, probably worth a lot more now. And then he stopped and he said, the ring is only worth as much as someone is willing to pay for it. And then he asked this question, how much are you worth? And he said, let me show you. You're worth this much. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Christ died for us. What must my sin be like that Christ died for me and that he would have to send his son? <laughs> he could have sent a creator, he could have sent an angel, but it was so bad that he sent his son. But this is the message of the gospel, and this is the message that we have to learn how to speak to be everyday missionaries. My, my, my coach was the guy that led me to Christ. I'm a product of what I do. I, I was a football player in high school, and my coach led me to Christ. I think we got a picture of him right up here. He's the second on the right here, Coach Rex. <laughs> Every Thursday, we'd come to his house, and that guy's showing ice creams over here. We'd sing some songs, talk a little bit about the gospel, and slowly over time, I became a Christian. My coach knew how to proclaim the gospel. He said, man's here and God's here. Man's trying to make it to God on his own, and he cannot make it. So that's why Jesus reaches across, holding on to God's hand, and reaches across sin and says, take it, take it, take my hand. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift, free gift, free gift is eternal life through Christ our Lord. It was about, uh, this was two or three years after. I was in college by this time, and there's two or three of these guys. I mean, these guys were rascals, and now they're pastors. <laughs> they make the best pastors, don't they? Robertson, <laughs> the guy in the middle, uh, that guy used to steal my pens and pencils, and now he's a, he's a professor at Wheaton College. <laughs> Amazing what one guy will do. Amazing what you guys can do in your community for Christ. I told Coach Rex, I said, man, unbelievable. Years later, we're living in the United Kingdom, and I'm trying to develop pioneer sports ministry over there, sports camps, lots of different things in sports ministry. I take five Scottish pastors back to Indiana. I see Coach Rex bringing up two busloads, 80 people coming to a camp. I said, Rex, man, you're in your 70s and you're still doing it every year, bringing kids to camp every Thursday, bringing kids to your basement, opening up your life, sharing your faith, being an impact player, making a difference. I said, Coach, man, when you die, I'm gonna get your shoe. And I'm going to put a little marker on it. You know that verse in Romans where it says, how are they going to know unless they hear? How are they going to hear unless someone says the words? How are they going to say it unless they're sent? How beautiful are the feet that bring good news? Coach looked at me and said, Connor, that's stupid. I ain't giving you my shoe. <laughs> I'm like, Coach, you ain't going to be here. <laughs> He was that kind of a guy. Later on, and I was terrified to share my faith. I, I, I became a Christian, but I said, I will never, ever tell anybody about Jesus Christ. No way am I going to tell anybody. I was terrified. And then I, I remember that verse, Luke 9.26, that said, if you'll be ashamed of me, 
I'll be ashamed of you. And I realized my own pride, my own persona, I cared more for than I cared for for Jesus Christ, who had died for me. If you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Later on, I became a trainer in teaching other people how to share their faith. And I was at a pro conference, and I was teaching these pros how. And this one guy, Jimbo, and uh, this guy, Jimbo, you probably would have heard him. I'll just give his first name. And he was in the front row, and I'm doing everything I can to kind of get this guy engaged. You know, when you're teaching and trying to, and you just see the guy just kind of, uh, you know. I'm doing everything I can to get this guy. First class, second class. Fortunately, one class, two class, three class, four class. Right in the middle, we stop, and we have a um, outreach. We either go to a juvenile detention center or we go to an orphanage. And so first class, second class, I couldn't get this guy engaged. He was just, you know, he's daydreaming. Well, should I buy an exotic snake or a diamond-studded four-wheel drive? You know, I don't know. Some dumb thing that these kids think about. And so finally, we get these guys and we go, okay, it's time to go to the orphanage. You guys are going to talk. Not the speaker. You guys, you players are going to talk. I get a call from the front office uh, from the you know, receptionist in the hotel. It's Jimbo's wife. She calls me, Steve, Jimbo, he says he's not coming because he's sick. I think he's not coming because he's scared. Now you get him down here. <laughs> I mean, this guy was huge. <laughs> this guy had big old broad shoulders that I got. I brought two guys with me. We come up on the door, Jimbo, come on, you're in the bus. No, I got a tummy ache. <laughs> you don't have a tummy ache, you're scared. I'm not scared. <laughs> yes, you are, you're scared. Get on the bus, get on the bus. So we pile him in there, we look him in, we stuff him in there. Get in there until finally we get out. My hero who's mentoring me, Norm Evans, he goes, Steve, have Jimbo go first. <laughs> Jimbo goes up, and now he's trying to remember what I said in those first two classes. <laughs> what did that guy say again? Gosh, I, what did, you can see him just trying to go back. And he's looking at these kids in this orphanage, and they're like loving him. They're like, oh, whatever you, what did he say? I said, and then he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, guys, Jesus is kind of like Father Earth or kind of like Santa Claus. You gotta be good. <laughs> Norm looks at me and says, What are you teaching these guys? <laughs> I said, I didn't teach them that. I didn't teach them that. <laughs> you know? And then we had to talk about grace and talk about the cross and unmerited favor. <laughs> and we're shaking our heads. Oh, golly. We drive home and there's two more classes. Jimbo's in the front and he's taking notes. Why? Because he realized he was looking those beautiful kids in the face. And he realized he was too lazy to communicate and to learn to communicate this incredible gift that he had. And he didn't know how to give it away. And then he was taking notes. I want to be better at everyday evangelism. We said there's three things to being a great everyday evangelist, everyday missionary. Pray, play, and say. It's from the Apostle Paul. Uh, play, you know, probably not a lot of athletes that are participating right now in the room, but we're just saying building relationships. Pray, play, say. Pray, open in the gods, we'll open these doors in here. Uh, I think one of the best things, uh, you know when you do ministry, you think you're going to give, and then you always get more back, don't you? 
I was going to go and I was going to pray with this one pro athlete. He's a pro soccer player. We're up in Scotland. His name was Brian Irvin. If you're a big uh, Scottish Premier League guy, you'd know Brian Irvin. And I'm praying with Brian, and we're up in this <laughs> garage parking lot after lunch, and we're praying for the guy. And we're a little embarrassed. You know, two guys up there kind of praying, you know, what's going on here? Are they sleeping or what's going on? And afterwards, we prayed, and, and Brian said something to me. I think it was just the best prayer uh, lesson I ever heard. He said, Steve, I didn't know every prayer request you had, but when I pray, I, what I'm doing is I'm bringing people into the throne room of God. And I see myself seeing you, Steve, right there in the throne room of God, and I'm saying, this is your son, and you love him so much, and he needs this, and he's worried about this. He's scared about this. Would you work in his heart? We're commanded to pray, and it's interesting, the Apostle Paul, pray, play, say, he does it in that order. If you look through the, uh, the book of Acts, every time he reaches out and someone comes to Christ, the first thing that he's ever done is pray. Why? Because it's God. It's not us. It's God opening that door for us. Pray, play, say, pray. You, you learn a lot about a person by looking at their prayers and looking at how, what they invest in. Uh, the, the prayers are, you've heard this before, but if God answered every prayer you prayed this week, how many new Christians would be in the kingdom of God? God answered every prayer you prayed this week. How many new Christians would be in the kingdom of God? Now, I didn't ask you how many we aunties would have their hips replaced, but how many new people would be in the kingdom of God here? Uh, the other thing about prayer, we're called to endure. I don't think it's just me, but I think there's a lot of people that were out there, and we've been praying for someone for year after year after year. Oh, God, I mean, this guy's never going to come to you. His heart is so hard. I was just with my buddy Mike. He's a, a track coach. He was a javelin thrower in the Olympics. And uh, he's, I, I said, how's your dad? I knew his dad was this rascal. He was a, he was a um, chief in the Navy. Uh, he knew every brothel in the Philippines. I mean, this guy was a tough old boy. And uh, he was on his third wife and uh, angry, frustrated, and he kept praying for him. Mike kept praying for his dad. How's your dad doing? Usually every time I'd ask Mike, how's your dad? You know, sad face. How's your dad doing? Boom. Big, he said, you won't believe it. I've been praying for that guy for 37 years. Just since I became a Christian. I've been praying for him 37 years. I've been handing him cassettes and then CDs and then online, and I've been handing the gospel and giving that. Some guy at some local church, 21 years old, comes in, and he does not even have a pastor. Just a guy comes in, proclaims the gospel. I'm just about ready to go to sleep a couple months ago. My dad calls me. Hey, Mike, did you know that salvation's a free gift? Awesome. I got it. See ya. Boom. <laughs> 37 years. Pray. Endurance. Keep praying. Keep pushing on. And then be watchful and thankful. Being watchful because what's God going to do? What's God going to do? Have that attitude. I'm going to pray, man. And if I pray, what's God going to do? Expectation. And the last one, being thankful. Being thankful because God is in control. And it's him and it's his power. It's nothing that we have done from there. Being thankful. Pray. Second one, play. Relationships. 
Prayer, by the way we mean play, we mean building relationships. 90% of people come to Christ, not through a book, not through a speaker. Let me say that again, just in case there's some uh, offensive linemen in this room. 90% of the people come to Christ, not through a book, not through a speaker. They come through a relationship. The one-on-one things are so much more, which is a drag because I'm a speaker and a writer. (laughs) but, But the most important thing is a relationship. I think we got a picture up here. It's two of my teammates with the Chicago Bears. Uh, you know, everybody knows Walter. Really great. Someone sent me this picture and uh, see what he's covering up there. Uh, I had to marker that out because <laughs> it didn't look like much on my phone, but when I put it up, whoa, there was a big, you know, <laughs> exposure. Let's call it that way. <laughs> no, that, that's Matt Suey. This is what I was playing. And, and, and Matt... Um, came in, Walter wouldn't talk to him for a whole year. Wouldn't talk to him. He said, I got my full bag. I don't need this guy. I don't need this white guy. Wouldn't talk to him for a whole year. But God was working in Walter's heart slowly. Started to build a relationship. A relationship. Slowly, Walter had a background spiritually, and Matt didn't. And he said, Matt, you ought to come to our team Bible study. And slowly over time, Matt gave his life to Christ And when Walter got sick and then ended up dying, guess who he asked to be his executor and to speak at his funeral? But Matt Suey. Matt Suey there. Relationships. And there's going to be, you've got to be watchful because there's going to be relationships out there. At this photograph, if I would have told you, Walter, the guy in front of you, he's going to become your best friend. You're going to tell him about Christ and he's going to speak at your funeral you would have said, you are nuts. But we all have those relationships, don't we? And seeing and being watchful, what can God do through the things? Now, now God has put certain people in your life, whether it's neighborhood, work, school, family, friends, and we're supposed to be wise in the way we act. Now, now I've heard it before, is, uh, I got to wait till I'm perfect before I share my faith. Well, if you wait till you're perfect, you're never going to share your faith. But you know, it's probably good for us to try to try to be good, to try to be better. Not that we're going to get to heaven, but just that we will be open doors. In fact, the Apostle Paul said that we should be salty. What he means by that is that we should be attractive to other people. Uh, You know what? A lot of times I tell these young people, these players of mine, I say, don't try to be interesting. Try to be interested. Don't try to be interesting. Try to be interested and be interested in your friends. It'll make you salty. It'll make you being attractive in that side trying to make a difference. My pastor, Jerry Root, he, uh, he had a big church in Santa Barbara, 4,000 people at this thing. And he tells a story that one time he was visiting somebody that was in the, 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 um, he was in the hospital, sick. And uh, he said he may never see this, this guy again. And so as he was driving away, as he was driving away, he had misty eyes and he pulled out. He pulled out into another lane, probably on the five, and he pulled out another lane, and a guy had to come across him. Just a little bit, but a guy had to come across him. The guy that went across him like that and had to pass him was irate, hateful, angry, and turned around and flipped the guy off. You know what I'm talking about. Hey, you're number one. You know, the guy flipped him off. Now, the pastor didn't like this too much, but he liked it less when he realized there was someone in his congregation. <laughs> you know, we're always looking for... for, for um, sermon illustrations. And, and so he finally said, you know, he's got this big church, four serv- three services, and 4,000 people. And he said, and by the way, 
Um, we're supposed to glorify God in all we do. We're supposed to be attractive. We're supposed to be salty even when we drive. By the way, I'm not naming any names, but someone flipped me off last week. He said he had four people come up to apologize. <laughs> I've seen it all in the world of sports. Sport does not build character, but it certainly reveals character. I had one guy, he was, a, he was an elder, a deacon. He was a deacon. And he was kind of a bully out on the ice. And, and then uh, later on, we were in a meeting together, and he said to me, he said, I'm just too competitive, like I was supposed to give him an award. He's too competitive. I said, no, you're not. You're not competitive enough. In fact, the Latin word for competitive means to strive together. You're just being a self-narcissistic jerk. <laughs> you're not being too competitive. One time I heard... Uh, when I was living in the United Kingdom, this one minister, a vicar, this minister said, Stephen, we, we were at a dinner and I was going to speak right after. He goes, Stephen, I just want you to know that when I play rugby, I leave Jesus on the bench. <sighs> Can you believe it? I, I wanted to leave Jesus in my seat and punch him in the lip. <laughs> I mean, we are called. If I could just give you one last... Uh, one last one, but this is a really good one. Um, there's a, the, 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 um, the team Motherwell. It's uh, in the Premier, Scottish Premier League. Uh, good players. One guy trying to share Christ, and the other guy, uh, talk, 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 talk. Two Christians on the team. One guy's talk, talk, talk. One kind of sets more of an example. I, we were in a Bible study, and the guy talk, talk, talk. He said, you know Derek? It was Derek Adams. He was a striker. He said, Derek is always on time. He's organized. Everybody respects him. His uniform's clean. He's always tight. He's there, and he encourages everybody. Me, I talk, talk. He's going to church, doing this, going to this. Maybe I'm a little late. I'm all that. Derek is the better at speaking his faith. He says he doesn't say much, but when he says something, everybody listens. Now, let me tell you, you might be an extrovert or you might be an introvert. But I think sometimes the introverts, the power that you guys have, can be more powerful than the extroverts talking all the time, using your examples, but also using the words, because we have to say the gospel. We have to say the gospel. Pray, play, and say. And the gospel's good news. But if it's good news, it means there's got to be bad news out there. If there's good news, it means there's got to be bad news. And that might be offensive to some of you. I may be offending you because there's a real heaven and a real hell. Until we understand there's a real heaven and a real hell, then it might be offensive. But you know what? Jesus offended a lot of people. A lot of people didn't like to hear what he had to say. I, but there's a good way to say it in a bad way, isn't there? You can say it in love and you can say it in a, a coarse, caustic way. The Reverend Ian Paisley, North, Northern uh, Ireland guy, one time he was looking at this crowd and and he was caustic. He, he, you know, he's one of those guys, just, it was not effective. He's looking at the crowd, and he said, and if you don't repent, you will go to the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And some old lady was bantering him back. She said, Reverend Paisley, Reverend Paisley, I'm old. I don't have any teeth. <laughs> he looked at her and said, Madam, teeth will be provided. I don't think that's the best way to go, but I, I love this term, and you guys have heard it before, but we're just one beggar 
showing another beggar where the food is. And when we're salt and light, oh, it comes together, doesn't it? By sharing Christ, we grow stronger and closer to God. You ever heard that term, always training, never playing? Can you imagine, Wes, oh, if you went through five years of Indiana University, all those practices, all those aches and pains, and never got to play in a game? You wouldn't be as good as you are. You guys are the same. Always coming into church, but never using it the rest of the week. Always training, never playing. God's given you abilities and gifts. Sometimes I think the best questions or the best way to tell people about Christ is just to ask questions. Do you know for certain that if uh, you died, you'd go to heaven? You're standing before Jesus at heaven's gates, and he said, why should I let you in? What would you say? The third one, I love this one. I love you so much. I can't imagine what heaven would be like without you. And another great question, this one, Michael Green, great pastor in Oxford. What is keeping you? What is keeping you from becoming a Christian? I'm going to close with two illustrations and a quick video. My old coach, uh, I was in Scotland. We were, Michelle and I were there with our family, and I'm in my little office, and I, I see the messages. You know that little blight? It's an old, no one does it anymore, but it's uh, on that old phone thing. And uh, it's blinking, and I, I hit the button, and it's Coach Rex, the guy that led me to Christ. It's his wife on the phone. And you hear her voice quavering. And she said, Steve, would you come home? Coach Rex is gone to be with the Lord. Would you please come home and do his funeral? Speak at it. And I flew home, and it was amazing. And it was, it was a three-and-a-half-hour wait to get in to see. This is a high school coach. Nobody. He was not brilliant. He was not. It's just he was loved because he shared his faith inside and out. He used those gifts he had. And he was loved. I hear the message, and I walk into my house, and I want to cry. You know, when you're alone in your morning, there's nothing worse than I'm trying to cry. And I don't know, what's it with these guys? You know, it's just hard for us to cry. And I'm like, oh, this is dumb. You know, <laughs> Coach, I'm trying to cry. And then my, my family comes in, my wife and the, my two girls and my boy. What's wrong with you? And then Coach Rex has died, and we start crying together. And we're crying, and my little boy, he's crying. He goes, why am I crying? <laughs> you know, like that. And finally, my daughter, Katie, man, man, Katie, she's up 12 at the time. She said it. She said, where would we be without Coach Rex? And I want to encourage you as we close. How cool would it be when you die? And the death rate in Indiana is 100%. How cool would it be when you die if some little girl a continent away said about you, where would we be without you? Pray play, and say, say the words. How beautiful are the feet that bring good news. <laughs> <laughs>